Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Cam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I am Renee, she is Tam. Hey to the hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey Tam. What's up with you Renee? You know what, it's another great weekend and um, I know that I know it's a normal thing for me to always be somewhere in, in general, it doesn't matter where it is. And on the on the spur of the moment, a buddy calls me up and he tells me he's got this this one night gig down in Vegas. Didn't even ask me to go, he was just telling me. And you know what I did? I invited myself to to, to the show in Vegas. (laughs) Because we know Renee can't resist Vegas. And I'll tell you what, Renee, I was in Vegas last weekend. I think I talked about it a little bit on the last episode, but I thought about you when I was in Vegas because that's just your home away from home. I know. I I think I should move and get a residency there. You really should. I don't know why you haven't (laughs) considered it. I don't know what it is about that place, but I knew I wanted to get down to Vegas at least one more time. And I know summer is practically over, but it it, or is over. I don't know, I guess. But I did want to get down there one more time. But I didn't think I was going to do it because I was just like, well, I don't really, you know, financially, I'm not really stable enough to go down there you have to be somewhat stable enough financially to go hey even just for a one-night trip vegas is so expensive yes i was down there with chevy we stayed at the wind and i'm gonna just tell you my room service the first night for breakfast was 80 dollars. ask me what i ordered i ordered exactly four items Uh french toast home potatoes which I guess they consider hash browns. And I ordered two drinks. One was a smoothie. And I guess technically both were smoothies. And that came up to $80. The second, that's bananas. And the second day for breakfast, my breakfast came up to $45. And they would have charged you for those bananas too. (laughs) Yeah. And I only had two or three items the second night. So it's just a bit expensive. But hey, you know what? Such is Vegas. So when... Renee says you need to be financially stable. It's not that he's broke. Clearly, he's not. He has a job. And not only does he have a real job, he does stand up. So he's always working. But the reality is, is like, shoot, Vegas is expensive. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. uh, Go ahead. No, you know, and and, and last but not least, right before we get into this, because this is going to be a great segue. We're over at the sports book trying to make bets. We're betting on football. We're betting on baseball. We're betting on all kinds of stuff. And I see a little piece of paper over there and, and uh, somebody that left it there and said, oh, this is NASCAR. I don't need that. And he puts it down. And I was like, oh, NASCAR. I'm looking at the NASCAR board and I'm going. And so my, my buddy who I went down there with, Vinny, he's just like, he goes, hey, man, he goes, you do a NASCAR podcast. He goes, let me ask you, who do you think's going to win? And right, up, right off the bat. And I said, well, I did pick Martin Truex Jr. to win this race. And he goes over there and he <laughs> he puts down a bet for Martin Truex Jr. And I totally forgot to tell him to put in a bet for me as well because I got so distracted doing something else. And guess who ends up winning that race? Martin Truex Jr. There you go. There you go. Renee, how are you in Vegas and you didn't bet? Like, it is almost like a ritual. If I'm in Vegas, especially on a Sunday, and by the way, I'm glad you didn't bet on them boys because your cowboys got blown out. 
But that's you noticed, you noticed I didn't even there. bring that up. I noticed you didn't bring it up, but I'm going to add insult to misery and rub it in. And not that I'm not a ca- cowboy hater. It's just that it was so much hype. Oh, I thought you were going to say, because just know you're not a cowboy fan like we do Danica. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I mean, because the thing is, everybody secretly is a closeted cowboy fan. I don't care who you are. If you watch the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys is your fallback team that you root for. So nobody can actually say they're a hater. There but you go. See, I'm glad somebody admitted thoughts. that. Okay. <laughs> Going back to why you didn't bet on Martin Truex Jr., I, I yeah, don't you, understand. You, you know what? I don't understand either. I mean, it's practically just uh, blasphemy that I did that. But you know what? When we were talking about our picks, you know, Martin Jr., Jr. he just, he's coming into the playoffs so red hot that it was, it, you just have to, you have to pick the guy. There was no other choice other than Kyle Larson, maybe to win that race, that you had to pick Martin Truex Jr., to win that first race. To me, I'm going to be honest with you, Tam, there was no question in my mind, not even a doubt that he was going to win that race. That's how confident I was in picking him to win that first race. Well, we actually both picked Martin Truex Jr. Mm -hmm. to win. And before we jump into the top 10 from Chicago, I don't even know. I guess we've talked so much. I, I don't know if I should still give you guys a rundown of the show. But I will just because I want you guys to listen to the end. So this is a prelude to what's going to happen and what we're going to talk about for the next 30, 45 minutes. We're going to give you that top 10. Like I just said, we're going to talk about the winners, the losers, the mistakes and the penalties from Chicago. I don't understand how these drivers are making mistakes. It's the first race of the playoffs, baby. Get it together. Or not so much get it together. You should have already had it together. We're going to talk about the Kyle Bush and Brad Keselowski drama because you got to love Twitter. But more importantly, you got to love Kyle Bush because he brings it and you got to love Brad because he says what he says and he gives a damn. We're going to give you, we don't really have much to talk about with Dell Jr. So this is going to be more of a Dell Jr. Hendrick Motorsports update. Renee's going to fill you in on that a little bit later. We're going to talk about Bubba Wallace, Eric Amarola, Danica Patrick. And as one of our Twitter followers said, Cousin Carl, as in Carl Edwards. And then we're going to get a little bit serious and we're going to talk about what's going on in NASCAR. And if you remotely have been paying attention, what we know is what happened in the blue tent. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about that mysterious blue tent that was at Chicago where everybody was like, what's up with the tires going in the blue tent? So we're going to talk about that. And you know what? There was a little bit of drama with Jeff Gluck and Jim Utter, another sports writer. I think it was all in fun and games, but it was so much you couldn't really figure out if it was real, if it was serious, but they had somewhat of a Twitter spat or maybe not. So we'll cover that and then we'll wrap the show with our fan comment of the week and our prediction. So now that you have the rundown, we're going to talk about the top 10. So we're going to run it up. So without further ado, before we talk about anything, I am going to break down the top 10 at Chicago. Martin Truex Jr., who was both Renee and I's pick, he came in first quietly and really not so quietly. Let me not use that word. Chase Elliott came in second. And I, I don't want to say quietly because I recall during the race, 
on NBC, they were like, yeah, he can win. And I'm like, how can Chase win when it's 100 laps to go? Anything can happen. Kevin Harvick came in third, Denny Hamlin fourth, Kyle Larson quietly came in fifth, Brad Keselowski sixth, Joy Logano was the only driver not in the playoffs to break the top 10, Jimmy Johnson came in eighth, Matt Kenseth, my man, my quiet assassin came in ninth, and Jamie McMurray came in 10th. Oh, and some notables, my man Clint Boyer came in 13th. Okay, how about that Paul Menard with a top 20 finish? He came in 14th, and that's very impressive considering you got 16 drivers at this point who are all vibing for the playoffs or for the championship. Right. So for him to get a 14th place finish, that was huge. Dale Earnhardt Jr., 17th. I mean, can't really say much about that. We'll talk about some of that later on in the show, though. Yeah, I mean, at this point, unless he's winning, nothing matters. Yeah, absolutely. And... Eric Jones came in 33rd place. Now, why is that notable? Because he's digressing. At this point, we know he's not in the playoffs, but I expect him to be in the top 10, top 15. We're going to break down our playoff drivers as well. I might as well just keep it going before we get into some talk and talk about the race. As I mentioned, there was only one non-playoff driver who was Joey Logano who cracked the top 10. So just to recap, our playoff drivers, Martin Truex Jr. first. I don't know if I should repeat that. You guys already know I just said it less than five minutes ago. So the other playoff drivers that did not crack the top 10 include Ryan Blaney, who came in 11th. So he was just outside the top 10. Kyle Busch came in 15th. And we're going to talk about Kyle Busch because he just, his team just didn't show up. Austin Dillon came in 16th. Kurt Busch, 19th. Casey Kane, 20th. Ryan Blaney, I expected more from him. He came in 23rd. And Ricky Stenhouse Jr., I don't know what happened, but he was, out of all the playoff drivers, he was at the bottom. He was in 25th. Yeah, he might have been the the most disappointing not not finishing in the top 10. Don't say that because I was going to wait till later in the show, but I guess I can say this now. We posed a question on Twitter Basically, who was great and who was the most disappointing in your view? That was kind of roundabout what the question was. And a lot of people said Ricky Stenhouse was the most disappointing. And guess what happened? He actually liked one of the tweets. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, oh my God. I was actually crushed because, you know, you don't want a driver to chime in on your Twitter feed to like a negative comment about him. You know, maybe his people are handling the Twitter account for him. But regardless, I just felt so bad. I was crushed. Well, and I don't know him liking the tweet, what that specifically meant, other than if it's it's actually him uh, retweeting or somebody else running the account. But I, I just wonder if he actually feels that way in general. Like, yeah, you know what? I'm sure he felt like he should have been in the top 10. And maybe he knew that it was disappointing that he didn't. And maybe he was disappointed in where he finished. So, I mean, I don't know. You know, and and it just goes back to what you said. Is it him that's actually running his own account or is it somebody else? Who knows? Well, what we do know is it was his official verified account. And whether it was him or somebody else, or even if it was Danica, they liked the tweet. And we feel bad. Okay, moving on. So. There were some winners, losers, mistakes, and penalties, as I stated earlier. Let's start off with Kyle Busch. I don't get it. Like, you were on the pole. You were running good. You were hyped up from your 
Twitter beef that spilled out from Twitter because basically it just was an ongoing situation with them and their beef. Not to mention, did you see that they had to ride in the back of the truck together during driver's intros? (laughs) Yeah, I saw that. That's kind of like, wow. And they didn't make any eye contact. And Kyle was like, yeah, I'm the man. Do something. That's the way I felt the energy he was giving. Brad was like, oh, wow, wait, I shouldn't have said that on Twitter. I don't know. I'm not saying that Brad is scared of Kyle, but it definitely was interesting to see them in the car together or in the back of the truck. Yeah. And I don't know if that was somebody who just did that on purpose or did they actually ask the two guys, you know, hey, are you guys going to be okay if you ride in the back truck together? I mean, I just want to know how that went down. I think that you are paired based on what place you are from qualifying. Right. But don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% sure. But all I know is it made for some good television to it watch sure them did, riding man. in the van. I was hoping something was going to happen back there. But well, you know yeah, nothing knew, was yeah, going to happen. You know, you know, yeah, you knew nothing was going to happen. Well, we do know that Kyle Bush will throw the punches because he threw yeah. one at Joey in Las Vegas. Was that Las he Vegas? Yeah, he sure yeah. did. Okay. Getting back to the mistakes that his team made. You know, he switched pit crews. You want to give them a break. But you can't cut them a break because you're messing up during the playoffs. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, one of his pit crew guys, I believe it was the gas man, came over the pit wall too soon and then he got a penalty. At one point, he was leading. And then I think at one point, he was two laps, not one, but two laps down. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think he had another penalty. What I do know is that so many drivers were caught speeding on pit road. And don't quote me on this. We do our research, but sometimes there's so much going on. You can't remember every single fact. And yes, we got notes when we're talking, but these are just small little tidbits that don't really mean much, I guess. But if I'm not mistaken, there were about 16 or so penalties during this race. And I do know that Martin Truex Jr., who recovered, and Austin Dillon, as well as Ricky Stenhouse Jr., were all busted for speeding on pit road. Yeah. And we just mentioned Kyle's pit crew member was over the wall too soon. And there were a bunch of other things. Again, this is not the time to be messing up. This is the time to be showing up and showing out. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, and most of the drivers seem like like they were in rare form. They were ready to go. They knew what they had to do. They knew what the, the plan was and, and they were going to try to do it as best as they can. And it seemed like the ones that needed to screw up the least are the ones that screwed up the most. And it was just, it was just bizarre, you know? Yeah. Well, before we jump into our Dale Jr. weekly update and talk about Hendrick, I just kind of wanted to backtrack and go a little bit deeper on the Kyle Busch and Kozlowski Twitter drama. As we know, Kozlowski has something to say, as he always has over the last couple of weeks, that maybe there's something going on with the Toyota engines, blah, blah, blah. And then Kyle responded by saying, Well, he used the letters S-T-U, which we all know means shut the uh up. Right. 
<laughs> Later on, he said that it meant something about some Skittles or something. Skittles thrown up or something. I don't know what he how he tried to justify it. But yeah, he that also was the, that was the worst justification and <laughs> analogy ever. <laughs> yeah. Now he also called him an idiot. I mean, at one point I remember doing qualifying, Austin Dillon was being interviewed, and even Austin jumped in and was like, and I'm paraphrasing, but he was like, I don't know what's going on, but it's getting interesting. And I wish they'd take it out on the track so he can finish better. So basically saying he wanted to see some bump and running so they can crash each other out. I think it's great for NASCAR because it gives us something to talk about. But at the same token, I kind of feel like, shoot, NASCAR is handling that all by itself with the whole blue tent issue. But we'll jump into that in a second. Okay, so really quick, and I, I we always say really quick, and then we go on and on. But really quick, Pinsky has jumped in and added comments to the situation, and that's in the team owner, Pinsky, as well as Steve O'Donnell from NASCAR has jumped in and had things to say. I'm not going to read everything what they said, but all you need to know is this is not over. It's getting good. Yeah. And it's going to continue. Yeah. And I'm going to leave it, it at that. <laughs> yeah, definitely leave it at that. Okay. So what's going on with your boy Dale? And I guess for that matter, what's going on with the Hendrick squad? Well, Dale is just one of those. He's at this point just trying to finish the season on a good note. And he had been telling, um, I guess, the media and, and people on social media, uh, his own social media, that in these circum- in certain circumstances, when you come to the end of the season and, it, and it's not, a season where you're going to make the playoffs and you're just trying to salvage something about uh, the whole entire season. He said at this point, all they have to do is is try to finish on a good note. He wanted to finish this race in Chicago the best way that he could. And he felt good about where he finished. And he said it, it. And usually when you have a season like this, the way you end the season is how you start it. And you and if you have some kind of momentum ending the season, you can go into the next season with, with that same momentum and ride the wave. You know, when you kind of just give up and you don't do anything and you're just kind of like going through the motions, he said that really transcends into the following year. And I actually kind of believe him because that goes with any sport. And I don't care what sport you, you, you like, but that usually happens in, in, in any sport. You try to motivate yourself and your team in some kind of way to keep that momentum and drive going for next season so that you start the next season on a better note. Now, unfortunately, there is going to be no next season, but he's hoping that whoever that the team and his team, rather, that he's going to leave behind, whoever driver takes over, which is we know in this case will be Alex Bowman. Hopefully they'll, you know, continue to move on in a uh, and ride that wave at the end of this season. Hopefully that will transcend to the next season. Now, he has also talked about some of these young drivers who seem to be you know, doing pretty well with social media. He's hoping that these guys, whoever they are, will continue to to keep using social media as an advantage. And maybe just kind of like the way he built his fan base, obviously just not through social media, but maybe this the, the last couple, the couple of years through social media. But he's hoping that some of these young guys and some of these young drivers will be able to create their own fan base in whatever way that they can. And, you know, maybe take his place on being the next most popular driver in that sport. Because let's be honest, Tim, once he leaves, one of the big questions is who's going to take over? Who's going to be that driver that becomes the face of NASCAR? And uh, if you want to ask me personally, 
And I know he might be in the booth, but Tam, it's still going to be Dale Jr. for some reason. It's still going to be Dale Jr. for a while. So, it definitely um, is. I have to agree with you on that. I know. it's It sounds bizarre, right? Like, he's not even going to be driving, but you know he's still going to be the face of NASCAR. It's so weird. I, I, it's really, it's really interesting. And, and, you know, Hendrick Motorsports is just trying to do whatever they can to really kind of like help Dale go out on a decent note. And they're looking forward to having Alex Bowman coming in next year. And they want to put him out uh, in a car with a fresh new start, a fresh new face, and try to get get something going in, in, in place of Dale Jr. Well, I 100% agree with you on that. I do think that the golden boy, the next in line, next up, probably was supposed to be Chase Elliott. But I got a feeling him not winning cooled off the hype. Yes. I think he messed around and let Kyle Larson win all those races. And, you know, somebody was like, oh, Kyle Larson's been racing two more years. But it doesn't matter. Kyle Larson was not the chosen one. Chase Elliott was. And then you have Ryan Blaney has stepped in and won a race. Now, what's really interesting is I feel like NASCAR does a lot to push him. He has his podcast, and and I'm referring to Ryan Blaney. I like Ryan. Something about Ryan reminds me. I feel like Ryan should be in Formula One, not NASCAR. There's something about him, as they would say, his bravado. Maybe it's the shag haircut, the way he moves. Something he's about got like a he's he's got a Formula One swag about him, doesn't he? Yeah, he definitely does. But the interesting thing is, and he does great on social media. But I don't feel like he's going to be the most popular driver. Yeah. I mean, out of the young guys, I like him. He's fun. I love Kyle Larson, but I love Kyle Larson as a racer. Kyle is a little too serious for me. Not in a bad way. It's just that for me personally, I'll give you an inst- for instance. Sexy Rex Ryan is my, as we would say, my, uh, uh, my, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? I I like (laughs) Rex Ryan. He has swag. When I watch TV and I watch all these different television programs, I love Shannon Sharp because Shannon, you know what Shannon Sharp said today on air? Okay. I didn't catch it. No. So I guess he's crushing on Eddie Murphy's ex-wife, Nicole Murphy. And he said that he saw Nicole Murphy at the gas station and that she was stacked like Dirty laundry in a dorm room. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was like, what did he just say? <laughs> so he's, and now this could be a culture thing, but stacked as in thick and big butt. That's what he was trying to say. But the way he just put it together was funny to me. I also like Colin Coward. I like personality and I like big personalities. With Kyle Larson, I love that guy. I love him on the track. I love his racing ability, but he's not. He doesn't give me much. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I want, ho ho. Okay. See you next week. I want to see. That's why Tony Stewart was my favorite guy. That's why I love Clint Boyer. Low key. That's why I love Matt Kenseth because although Matt Kenseth is my quiet assassin, Matt Kenseth on the low, low, he got a little personality, but he has that dry sense of humor. And I think most people, if they listen to some of the things he says, that dry sense of humor sometimes could be 
taken as uh, sarcastic or uh, condescending, and and I know that rubs people some people the wrong way, but but uh, you know I, I love it. I, I'm with you. I I, I like his person. Now that dry sense of humor is funny to me. Yeah, because he's serious. I mean, and that's probably why there are some drivers, and I'm not gonna say who, but there are some drivers that I don't care for because they're a little too rehearsed. It's like I wanna I wanna laugh. I want to see yeah. some personality. Yeah. But hey, no, that's just Totally me. agree. Okay, so we're giving this Hendrick update. And once again, Tam, who loves to talk about NASCAR, just kind of interrupted. So go ahead, <laughs> Renee. Yeah, Tam. So uh, continuing on with the, the whole Hendrick thing, is the only thing I wanted to add in was uh, a, a real quick, a Jimmy Johnson. I don't think he felt that much pressure. I think going into this race, even if there was a little bit of pressure, it went away with him, uh, the fact that he finished eighth. He felt really good about uh, finishing eighth, and he feels really good uh, going into these next few races, and he's not worried about moving on at all. I can guarantee you that. I'm a Jimmy Johnson fan. You know that. And just listening to him in that interview after the race uh, on Sunday, I could hear the confidence in him, and, and, and there's no doubt in my mind that he, he will move on for sure. So let me ask you this. Do you think, and speaking of eighth place, because it's just ironic, but do you think he feels any pressure to win his eighth championship? That might be the case, but I think, like I said, I think him just finishing eighth, he, it, it makes him feel good, and I, and I believe that. I, I, like just his, his demeanor and, and the way he talks, I feel like he's okay with, even if there is a little pressure, he's okay with that. I mean, we're talking about Mr. Seven Time here. I mean, and I know the eighth championship would put him at the top, the number one, but I don't think he would feel that much pressure, Tim. I really don't. I think, if I'm not mistaken, there was some quote, and, and let me see if I can pull it up really quick. Oh, here it is. So there was an article in USA Today, and they quoted him as saying, pressure might be off on the public side. But what motivates me and what gets me in the car and out of bed and my team up early, that pressure for eight. It's been there the whole time, he told USA Today Sports. It's not going anywhere. That's what we deal with. So I, apparently he does feel some pressure. So there you have it. Straight quoting from yeah. the article. Right. And last but not least, we kind of already covered Chase. We know Chase right. came in he, second. He, yeah, Casey he finished came. second. And Casey Kane, you know, he switched crew chiefs and not that that really helped him any at all anyway, because he finished, I think it was what, 25th? No, that was um, Stenhouse who came in 25th, but Casey wasn't too far behind. He came in 20th. Yeah, there you go. And uh, I'll be honest with you. I mean, it's nice to see Casey Kane make the playoff, but he was just a non-factor in in the race Sunday. And I don't see him being much of a factor going forward, Tam. Okay, should we even waste any more time talking about that? No, not at all. Let's move on. <laughs> okay, moving on. Let's move on to some real talk, some hot topics, some gossip. Bubba Wallace is so much drama going on with Bubba. We already know what happened with Smithfield. That's been covered. But apparently, it's come out that, you know, well, what we do know is that apparently the King Richard Petty, Richard Petty Motorsports wants him in the iconic number 43. But now there's some talk that front row motorsports may want Bubba. I will say, I know one of the guys over at front row, he's a most excellent salesperson and he could probably put some sponsorship on Bubba's car. But then again, 
who doesn't want to drive the number 43, the historic Richard Petty car. He's going to go wherever. We don't know because at this point, it's all speculation. But it's an interesting little twist to everything. What we do know is that Eric Amarola is not coming back to Richard Petty and he does not want to talk about it. Yeah. I can't say that I feel bad for him, but you know, if you're not producing, you're not producing. Now, granted, we do know he had a setback with his incident where he hurt his back and had to have surgery. But even before then, he wasn't really producing. So it is what it is, as yes. they would say. Mm -hmm. And what else? Who else we need to talk about? Danica. I think we covered this already, but oh no, I, I think that news just broke. That's the only bad thing about doing a show once a week. Sometimes the news feels old when in fact it just was within seven days, but it's old for us because we live this NASCAR thing every day. Danica's not coming back to Stewart House Racing. And what I think has been confirmed is that Eric Amarola is not going to Stewart House Racing. So that's great. I don't want him there. No offense, but I would rather see, I would, re I would really like to see Bubba Wallace there. Cause I feel like Bubba low key has that bravado, that attitude to be a Stuart Haas driver. But of course I would like to see Matt Kenseth there or <laughs> Greg Biffle. Okay. I'm never going to let Greg Biffle go. Or yeah. cousin Carl. Hey. Where's oh. cousin Carl? Okay. You know what I heard? Well, I didn't. I, it's not like I heard it, but what I read. Let's hear it. Well, Spill the not, beans. Did you not read the same tweet that I read? Oh, no. No, I was waiting for you to say it, though. Cause you <laughs> okay. Well, one of my favorite NASCAR journalists, he actually tweeted and said that he said, interesting, sports business journal Liz Mullen is reporting that Carl Edwards hired ICM. I always wanted to work at ICM, and that's uh, pretty much a career. Did you really? Yeah. I wanted to work at CAA, ICM, or William Morris. But nonetheless, so Bob Pockris tweet, and I'll just start over since I got sidetracked. Side he said, interesting, SBJ Liz Mullen, and that's Sports Business Journal Liz Mullen. And, and a side note, too, I always wanted to be... In the Sports Business Journal, 40 Under 40, but that time has passed as well. Mm -hmm. <sighs> okay. So he he's reporting or saying that she's reporting that Carl Edwards hired ICM partners as agents for acting, broadcasting, literary, speaking, etc. opportunities. So there's hope, but there's not hope because the fact that hiring somebody for broadcasting and acting... See, if you're behind the race car, you don't have time to be worried about broadcasting and acting. Mm -hmm. That makes me a little bit nervous. But then there was also, oh, well, this is not technically related, but it is related. So apparently, in addition to that news breaking that he actually hired a, um, or that he's in talks with ICM, let's see. You ready for this one? Okay. So apparently, or not apparently, I guess it's facts. Carl Edwards is going to be honored with the Sportsmanship Award. How oh, about right that? on. Yeah, so he's awesome. going to be honored in November for his good sportsmanship at last year's Ford Eagle Boost 400 at Homestead. And if I remember, that was when he went to apologize 
after the little drama that took place and everybody was like, oh my God, he's so great. Well deserved though. It was when he actually had the incident and he wrecked Joy Logano in the last race of the season. And then he went up and apologized because he, he spun him out and it, it was pretty crazy. And he just admitted that it was his fault. And that was that. So kudos to him. We're just kind of sad because Carl, come back. Like you're not even 40. Bring your <laughs> butt back to racing. That's all yeah. I'm going to say about that. And I'll leave it at that too, because that's how I feel. Cousin Carl. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We have covered a lot and we are still talking and still have a lot to go. So this is going to be a long show. Hang in there. I think we're going to wrap it up. We got about 10 more minutes, maybe 15 or 20. No, not that much longer. The blue tent drama. Renee, what say you? Well, I know what Jeff Gluck was trying to say. And I, I, and you, you know, me and you, and I know you don't know maybe Jeff Gluck as much as, or as maybe as, as good as I do. And cause I've, I've known Jeff over the years just through some other mutual friends of ours. However, and I'm really glad that I, I know Jeff Gluck in that manner. And I can guarantee you that in no way, shape or form was Jeff trying to be insulting to anything of what he was saying about the blue tent. I think he was just stating something that he felt like he just thought was, you know, happens in that or that was happening in there. And somebody just took it wrong. Okay. Because <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> Renee has a bad habit of not telling you who he's talking about. He just talks and doesn't give you the full details. But you guys are NASCAR fans, so you already know what he's talking about. We're talking about the drama, the not drama between Jeff Gluck and Jim Utter about the blue tent. So Jeff Gluck was in, he was actually here in California, Sonoma, for the IndyCar final race the championship and he chimed in with a tweet saying that he pretty much and i'm paraphrasing he didn't know what the hell was going on with the blue tent problem is nobody knew what was going going on with the blue tent i don't ever recall seeing that blue tent as many nascar races that i've been to but i don't recall there ever being an inspection like that during mid race so yeah Jim Utter chimed in and he had something to say that could have been it could have been perceived as he was coming for him. I don't know. Yeah. Let, me, let me read it and you guys tell me what you think. Yeah, go ahead. Jim Utter said, widely known to most people who cover the sport on a regular basis. And that was in response to Steve O'Donnell, who actually said, it happens all the time. We took tires from multiple teams, not a story, especially from race Sonoma. So technically, Steve O'Donnell kind of took a jab at Jeff Gluck first and pretty much was saying like, look, dude, you and Ray Sonoma, chill. Yeah. Because he was out there again. Jeff Gluck was covering the IndyCar race. And then yes. Jim Utter had to put hot sauce on it. Like when you have some, maybe some fried chicken. I don't know if you guys put hot sauce on your fried chicken, but. If the fried chicken has already got that little zang, that little bite, that little taste is crunchy. And then you just tap a little bit on it, a little bit of yeah. hot sauce to make it a little extra. So that's what Jim Utter did by responding, saying it's widely known to most people who cover the sport on a regular basis. So it was like jab, jab. Yeah. And then the right hook, I guess, was when Jeff kind of came back. But, you know, I feel like Jeff, 
you know, I'm a little different. You come from me and I didn't send for you. We're going to have a problem. Right. So he, he he didn't really get too crazy with it in his response. You know, it was something to the effect, my bad. I don't know. He went on to jokingly make some comments about his relationship with Jim. He tweeted, I actually get along with Jim Utter. He's like the neighbor you are fine with until they start blasting loud music at midnight. So I don't think he was, he just kind of was diffusing the situation. Yeah, you're you're right. Yeah. Again, I'm like, uh, see, and then this becomes a situation too where I'm more inclined to be on Jeff's side only because not that Jeff's the little man, because if you know his background, he used to work for a big outlet and then due to some issues with his wife, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you get it. I'm going to leave that yeah, I know what you, Yeah, I know. I think I already about. talked about it for whatever reason. I can't explain it this way. But yeah, so I still like Jeff and I like his coverage. But I like Bob Parker's coverage. There are a few people that I like. Jim yeah. Utter, I follow him, but he's like, oh, I don't know. The changing of the guard. I think Jeff is new school. He's old school. I'm going to leave it at that. Take it how yeah. you want. Okay, so I think we kind of got caught up with all that is in NASCAR and the blue tent. We talked about it in our Twitter chat that happens every Monday from 3 p.m. Eastern time and is supposedly in at 4 p.m. Eastern time, but we always go over. So it is what it is. With all that being said, Renee, you know what? I think it's time to just leave all that stuff behind and Move forward with our fan comment of the week and some prediction. Let's do it. Ready? I'm ready. Okay. So our first fan comment of the week. You know what? I'm taking it straight from our Twitter chat. Why wouldn't I? Although I was on a NASCAR Reddit board, but I'm going to take it from our Twitter chat. The question that we proposed to our Twitter followers, our Twitter friends was simple. Who gave the most surprising performance at Chicago for the NASCAR playoffs opener? And who was the most disappointing? Hashtag NASCAR talk. So most surprising, Larry Lee at user LBLEE58. He said most surprising, Chase Elliott, most disappointing, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. We talked about that earlier. Mm Mm-hmm. And I actually responded to him and said, what did you really expect from Stenhouse? And he said, I expected him to do well in the race and finish in the top 15. Good point. Mary Slavens, her user is at Bell Bond Agent AR. She chimed in and said, Chase Elliott was a surprise and Larson was a slight disappointment. Now, I hate to see what's a big disappointment to her because Kyle Larson came in fifth. So how yeah, was that? I don't know. It wasn't that bad. Uh, I was going to say this. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Donnie S. And his user is at the Dingo Dude, as in D-I-N-G-O. He said, Elliot surprised me. He hasn't had a finish like that in months. Kyle Bush's new pit crew was most disappointing. So he blamed the pit crew. And that's rightfully so. And I guess I'll read off one or two more comments. Our good friend to the podcast, Kenny Lee at Front Row Kenny, he said Chase 
Elliot easily, as in he was easily surprised, but the most disappointing was Kyle Bush. He started on the pole and came home in P15. And you know yeah. what? This is true. Now, here's a uh, off-the-cuff one and a name we... I don't think we have ever mentioned this name on the podcast, but Ryan Goodrum, and that's user Ryan underscore Goodrum, G-O-O-D-R-U-M, he said most surprising was by a non-playoff team with Landon Castle coming in mm. P20. Good run for that team. Worse, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Yeah. Okay, and I feel like we should just read one more, and this is only because Daily NASCAR Scoop at NASCAR Daily, he's very active every Monday in our chat, and he gave us multiple answers to that question. So I'm just going to pick one at random. He said that Chase Elliott was the most surprising. Haven't seen speed like that from the 24 in a while. Need to keep up the consistency. Oh, and I guess the second part, the second comment was actually his answer to who was most disappointing. And he said Kyle Busch was the most disappointing. Pit crew swap didn't go well. And then a penalty on pit road to add insult to injury. Hashtag yeah. car. Okay. So, and then just because I feel like I'm on a roll and I don't care if we're going over our allotted time because we know you guys care and you're listening. I'm going to read one more comment. And this it's taken from our NASCAR Twitter party. I don't care. Listen to our what? Twitter. Well, not listen. <laughs> I don't care. Tune in each week and check out our Twitter party. This was a question that we posed on Twitter. Yeah, like you didn't know that. Question was simple. Point blank. Who's winning the Kyle Busch versus Brad Keselowski feud? Who you got and why? I'm not even going to read the comments to that. I'll just, because I made that as a poll. 33% of you guys said Bad Brad. 36% said Rowdy. 22% said It's Just Dumb. And 9% says I'm here for whoever. Renee, who would you pick? Oh, boy. Just because I like Rowdy, I would pick Rowdy. I mean, do do I kind of think it's stupid? In a way, yeah, it's kind of silly and childish, but... I mean, it just creates something just to hold on to, and I like it. But I'm going to go with Rowdy, just because I like Rowdy. And I, I'm, you know, I, I like Brad, but not the way I like Rowdy. So I'm going to go with Rowdy. And of course, my answer was, I'm here for whoever, baby. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so now that we have, or you know what I should say, now that I have taught you guys to death, but I hope you're entertained. Are you not entertained? It's time for Tam and Renee's Race Predictions. Okay, <laughs> let's get into some predictions, Renee. Who you got? And we're at New Hampshire because Renee never says where we're at. Well, this who this weekend, got? this weekend we're gonna be in New Hampshire, so there you go. <laughs> and my picks are gonna be just simple and to the point, just like they were last week. Look for Kyle Busch to pull this this win off, and. Just like we proposed that question on who was the most disappointing and who was the most surprised, Kyle Busch was probably my most disappointment because, and I thought Ricky Stenhouse was just about disappointing as well, but not as disappointing as Kyle Busch was because I expected Kyle Busch 
to at least finish in the top five this past Sunday. But he's going to win that race this Sunday. I can literally see him crossing the checkered flag now. And I'm going to be honest with you, I see as my dark horse, I see Kyle Larson right behind him and coming in maybe to win the race if Kyle Busch doesn't win it. Are you sticking to those picks? I'm sticking to those picks. Okay, Renee is sticking to his picks. You listen to the show every week. For our new listeners, this part of the show at the very end, I always give a history lesson. This week's history lesson, ladies and gentlemen, is about New Hampshire. We run two times a year in New Hampshire, once in July and once in September. I'm going to give you the past 10 winners, going to give you some patterns, and then I'm going to give it to you as in my predictions. In 2007, my man, Clint Boyer, took home the checker flag. 2008, my other man, Greg Biffle, rolled in the number one spot. 2009, Mark Martin. Hey, Mark Martin. He won. 2010, it was Clint Boyer. 2011, Smoke, as in Tony Stewart. 2012, Denny Hamlin. 2013, Matt Kenseth. 2014, Joy Logano. 2015, Matt Kenseth. And 2016, Kevin Harvick. Some patterns. Guess who's a three-time winner at New Hampshire? Uh, and who, who would that be? Well, it's a bunch of drivers, believe it or not. Ryan Newman, Jimmy Johnson, Denny Hamlin, Matt Kenseth, and Kurt Busch are all three-time winners at New Hampshire. Who would have thought? Wow. And then two-time winners are Clint Boyer, Kevin Harvick, Joy Logano, and Kyle Busch. Now, because we know Kyle Busch, all he does is win, win, win. You want to know how many times he's won the Xfinity race at New Hampshire? Lay it on me. Six times. That's crazy when you think about it. Yeah, that is. That is. That's impressive. Yeah, he's won six times at New Hampshire. And Brad Kozlowski's actually won twice in the Xfinity series at New Hampshire. Now it's time for me to lay it on you guys what I'm thinking. You know what I'm thinking? (laughs) You never answer. You never even tried to guess. (laughs) So what I'm thinking is I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Rowdy. But I feel like I'm, I don't want to take him as my pick. I want him to be my dark horse. As for my winner, because somebody who works for NASCAR laughed at me, they had posted their grid for the playoffs, which Renee still hasn't given me his grid. And I showed them mine and they said, why do you have Matt Kenseth in, in, in the final four? I said, because I said that I was going to ride with Matt Kenseth the rest of the season. So because I'm a person of my word, I'm going to ride with Matt Kenseth and pick Matt Kenseth, a three-time winner at New Hampshire, to get his first win of the season and to advance to the round of 12 in the playoffs. So Matt Kenseth is my pick to win New Hampshire and I'm sticking to it. And Kyle Busch is my dark horse. What say you, Renee? While going out on a limb to go with the quiet assassin, I actually really like that pick. That's ballsy, and I love it. Well, I don't have balls. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I know, but just in general, it's a figure of speech. <laughs> I know, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but that was pretty funny. And I like your picks. And 
Like I said, I'm sticking with my picks. Those are our picks. If you got your picks, please send them in to us and uh, let us know on our social media. You can hit us up across the board at Turns No Breaks on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, we always appreciate you guys listening each and every week to our podcast. Please, 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 if you know NASCAR fans that love to listen to NASCAR talk just as much as you do and I do and Tam does, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Look us up and please rate and review. Leave us a comment. We really do appreciate your feedback. Like I always say, and I always mean it, be kind to each other and we will see you again next week. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 